Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Real Life Mom Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Foster, and Real Life Moms is all about connecting moms through meaningful conversations and powerful stories. I believe that moms are so much more than just moms. We each have our own unique strengths and superpowers, and my strength is inspiring others. In this podcast, we want to help empower you to tap into your unique strengths and become the best version of yourself while teaching your kids to do the same. You will hear real life stories of moms just like you who have unlocked their potential and now want to share their wisdom with you. So let's get started on this week's episode. Today, I have Allison Blod. She is a registered nutritional therapist and has dedicated her life to helping midlife women reclaim their inner power and refresh their minds and revive their bodies. So Allison, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's so lovely to be here talking to you. Thank you for having me. Well, you're welcome. And I just would love the listeners to learn a little bit more about you and just really what motivated you to really help women in this midlife phase. Yeah, I mean, my my, my journey started really as a teenager. I developed very bad acne when I was a teenager. Uh, and I mean, that's a, it's a difficult time enough as it is, isn't it? Being a teenager, all the hormone chaos, etc. And I had very bad skin. And that really led me down the, the route of hormones. Because even at that young age, I was, I was really interested to know what, what was going on. Why was I developing acne? So I started getting uh, an interest in hormones, in, in nutrition. Was it a lifestyle? Was it something I was doing? So when I actually started my career, I started as an esthetician, uh, specifically working with women's hormonal skin health. And this uh, led me to perimenopause or menopause and postmenopausal women, because this can be a time where you really have skin problems. It's not just during puberty mm-hmm. and you know I very soon came to realize um, that you can do aesthetic treatments and that they're very beneficial but you do need to work from the inside you need that nutritional piece so so that's when I went back and studied nutritional science uh, and became a nutritional therapist and as I was growing up you know all my female members in my family my mother my grandmother their friends you know, they were really suffering in this kind of midlife uh, time and nobody spoke about it. it. I mean, even now, it's still very, um, it, it's not really a subject that, that women talk about menopause. It's kind of brushed under the carpet. And I was really interested, you know, why weren't these women getting the support and the help that they needed? Because I could see my mother was really suffering with, you know, the symptoms and fatigue and, and stress, etc. So I, I've made it my mission really to talk about menopause and, and help women understand what is going on and the support that is available, because there's so many things that you can do. You really don't have to suffer. You know, it's a natural process that every woman will go through, but it's a lack of education and a lack of talking about it, really, that made me want to go out and support and help women and my real interest and fascination of hormones obviously was a big driver as well. Oh, I love that because I think just even talking about it is so important because we don't talk mm-hmm. about it. And these symptoms that we feel can be kind of pushed aside for other things, you know, other medical things, not even going back to menopause. It almost gets like poo-pooed a little bit. So mm-hmm. Learning from other women that have been through it, feeling supported by other women that have gone through it is is really helpful. And just 
like you said, talking about it. I don't know what it's like in, in your part of the world, but I'm, I'm living in Europe at the moment. And there is, thankfully, uh, a, a bit of a menopause revolution going on here, especially in the United Kingdom. Women have just had enough. And they're really kind of like, no, we want support and we're going to talk about this. A lot of celebrities have got behind it. They've done documentaries on television. There's a lot of books coming out. And you can see how the momentum is is building up. So it's happening. But obviously there's a long way to go. And I know in many parts of the world it still isn't even spoke about. There's, There's still such a lot of women that don't truly understand what it is. Oh, yeah. And I don't think we're as far along as you are. I think it's also starting to be talked about more, but not maybe as much as it is over there. But like I was talking to you beforehand, I actually am in post-menopause and had no idea that I even went through menopause. (laughs) So it's that bad. For me, it was that bad, but I didn't suffer as much as some other people have really suffered. So I'm very grateful about that, but still not knowing and almost feeling like I missed a whole phase that is so big and the symptoms that I did feel, you know, were normal. It would have been nice to have someone to talk. Yeah. And I think knowledge is power, isn't it? If you understand that maybe you're having, I mean, hot flashes obviously is one of the known symptoms but you know the word perimenopause which is the phase before menopause which on average starts around the age of 45 it can be earlier it can be later this many women don't that don't understand like you know you were just saying that you kind of just glided through it and then all of a sudden you're in menopause and you didn't really understand what went on. I still don't know what happened. Honestly, it was like, a, I'm like, okay, I'm here now. And I'm happy I'm here now. Cause honestly, I'm living the dream. I mean, honestly, I feel really healthy. So I'm happy, but yeah, I'm almost glad that I'm actually through that phase. <laughs> so what I love about you is that you take this approach to this menopause midlife period with nutrition, positive mindset, life modifications, which I love because a lot of times you go talk about your symptoms and it's a lot of medication or hormones. And I love the philosophy of looking at it more holistically, actually. Uh, So can we like break that down a little bit? Maybe we can start since you have a nutritional therapist background. Can we start a little bit with nutrition and kind of how that plays a role in this time period? Yeah, absolutely. Nutrition is a huge subject. And and when I work with clients, you know, I work very individually because everyone's needs are different. So I would tailor a nutritional program specifically to their needs and their goals. But when you look at menopausal nutrition more generally, you know, there are certain things that we have to think about when we come into this phase in our lives due to one of one of the many factors is due to the decline in in estrogen and progesterone and and testosterone is you know in, in a woman declines naturally with age and because of this decline in hormones there's a lot of things that start happening in the body and you know we really need to nourish our bodies uh, and really think about what you eat to obtain maximum health and you know what i say is you can't you can't get away with eating and behaving like you did when you were younger because you just you just feel it you just can't unfortunately you have to take better care of yourself and because of the decline in in these hormones uh, women are at higher risk of um, osteoporosis uh, cardiovascular disease 
there's a lot of research now going on. Maybe that the, there's nothing final, but there could be a link uh, between the deterioration or decline in estrogen and dementia. There's a lot that goes on with metabolism. Um, so estrogen is, is, is a mother hormone. It, it is not just a sex hormone. It's so important for virtually every bodily system. So we have to think of nutrients. So when we're thinking about diet and, and menopause, the, the one thing that you really should focus on, and I know this isn't easy, I totally appreciate this in, in the, the food environment that, that we live in at the moment, but really try to avoid or reduce all the ultra-processed foods that you're eating, because th there's many things that happen in the body. You could, you could do a whole podcast on it, but yeah. they cause inflammation. They're very high in sugar, they're high in damaged fats. And with the decline in estrogen in your body, you're, you're already a little bit more sensitive. And estrogen has an anti-inflammatory effect on the body. So when that declines, your body becomes inflamed. And if you're eating all this rubbish food, for want of a better word, you're just going to stimulate everything uh, negatively. And it's been shown in, in research that it makes your menopausal symptoms worse. You know, if you've got a really high sugar ultra processed foods diet your experience of menopause will most likely be worse than than somebody that eats whole foods you, you just have to give that little bit of extra time and you know make food from scratch and it doesn't have to be complicated you know just buy whole foods don't mm. buy packaged foods that, that have got a list of 20 30 ingredients that you know half of them you don't even know what they are. The whole foods like broccoli, vegetables, fruit, you know, if, you, if you're if you a meat eater, you know, a, a piece of chicken or uh, tofu or, or whatever, but something that you recognise what it is, that, that would be so beneficial for your, for your menopausal health because we also have to think of blood sugar balance uh, and blood sugar, as we go through perimenopause and menopause, you can become what we call less sensitive to insulin now, insulin is, is a hormone, and this enables our body to utilize glucose, which, which is the energy that we need to, to function. When you're in perimenopause and menopause, it can happen if you have this high sugar diet that your body doesn't react to insulin like it should. And then that can lead to something that we call insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. And if you don't really take control of that, you know, the next stage from that is diabetes too. So eating high sugar diet full of refined carbohydrates that just shoot your blood sugar up are very detrimental for health. So you really need to take that piece and think about just be mindful of what you're eating. You know, I think I was liking it to what my grandmother ate. I mean, there weren't any of these packaged foods then. She, she would just eat what she would call food. Now mm -hmm. we call it organic, don't we, food? Because we haven't, now we spray everything with chemicals. Yeah. But when she was growing up, that didn't even exist. And I don't know how your supermarkets are set up, but here in the US, it, it tends to be like the whole foods, like the healthier choices and less processed are like on the outskirts mm -hmm. and the inner aisles are all the processed stuff. So one doctor once had said to me, um, he's like, just shop on the outside. Don't even go on the <laughs> inside aisles. I mean, which is hard because all the good stuff is on the inside, but 
but it it does save time and you do tend to be more like fruits vegetables meats you know dairy and done you know that's that's what's on the outside yeah it's true here actually in europe that they're set up the same way you know none of us are perfect are we now i am totally realistic you know life we're not going to be able to be perfect and completely cut out refined ultra processed refined foods but if you don't buy them and, and have them in your house Mm-hmm. then you're not going to be so tempted to eat them. So just like you say, go around the outskirts of the food store. Don't even go in that middle bit where you've got all your sugary or, refined foods. Don't have them in the house. Just don't buy them. Yeah. Or just go in, but go in with intention, like versus just shopping. Cause that's when you're like, Oh, I'm going to grab this and grab, Oh, that looks so good. Or the kids would love this. So yeah, go in with intention. Like, I'm just going to go down that aisle and grab this one thing. Yeah, and don't go shopping when you're hungry. Could you also touch on, there is this midlife weight gain. Is that correct? I mean, like, we can gain weight at any time. But there is something about this hormonal change that does affect, like, that weight gain that we gain. And, I mean, my body personally is starting to look like my mom's. I mean, I love my mom dearly, but I can see it happening. And I'm just curious about how that how that works what's going on there yeah it's it's a great question because that is something that that many women that come to me about as well that they want to work with and what it's a complex area uh, and we don't fully understand the thing is it isn't just one thing there's many different factors that come into play here what we do know is that we lose muscle mass as we get older. You know, this it's not, we can't blame it all on the menopause. And, and muscle, we really need to keep our muscles because muscles are, are like energy burners. So if you, if you have a, you know, your muscle, you will automatically use more energy. So, you know, what you eat will be burnt as energy more. So you really need to work on muscle mass. And because of the decrease in, in muscle mass as we age, you know, that's one of the factors that come into play that we gain weight. Another big area is that we go from a, a pear shape to more of an apple. You know, you, you gain the, the weight around the tummy area. It, it, there's a bit of a shift going on there. Um, one of the factors that, that comes into play with that is that when you're in perimenopause, menopause you can become testosterone can become more dominant and that can have an effect on where you store fat but that is very common in in women as we age that we do get this like kind of tire like a muffin top Mm -hmm. uh, around the middle area it's also can be due to hormones that we collect the fat around that area. But one really big thing about weight gain is stress. Uh, and when I work with clients, you know, most people, when they come to me, are very stressed and very overwhelmed. We have to work on stress management because if you're constantly suffering from chronic stress, it's actually very difficult to lose weight. It's virtually impossible because the the stress hormone, which one of them, which is called cortisol, is a fat storing hormone. So it's that everyday chronic stress, which it seems like in in society today that we're we're all stressed all the time. So you've got this constant level of cortisol in your blood. And when you have that stress hormone, it's sending a signal to your body, oh, you're going to have to run away from danger. Uh, store energy, store fat. So you you don't 
burn fat, you, you will store it. We've progressed so much as human beings, but but our bodies haven't really, you know, we're, we're still living hundreds of years back in time. We're, we're not, we haven't really caught up with today's society. Uh, so that's another factor. Another area that I would say to, to women is that if you're, you know, gaining weight and there's no real explanation for it, then have your thyroid gland uh, do a thyroid test because that the thyroid is a, is a gland. It's like the engine of the body actually sits here at the, the base of your throat. And that is really important for metabolism and metabolic health, the, the thyroid hormones. And it's been shown that when women go into menopause, that the risk of having hypothyroidism, it's called, increases. So thyroid is key for weight management. So you can just have a blood test done at your doctors that, that would be able to look at the levels of your thyroid hormones. Sleep is a big area with weight management. You know, if you're not sleeping, which can happen during menopause, you can have real problems sleeping. That just sets off a whole row of different problems regarding weight gain. One of them to do with if, you, if you're tired, you crave carbohydrates. You know, your body's not stupid. It's tired. It needs energy. So the day after, you will really crave carbohydrates. And unfortunately, you'll, you'll crave what we were talking about, you know, the, the ultra-processed, quick carbohydrates that go straight into the, the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another really interesting thing about uh, sleep is that, you know, if you are tired and you're not sleeping, it, it can have an effect on your hunger hormones, so we actually have hormones that regulate our hunger, uh, one in particular called ghrelin. And, and ghrelin is the hormone that really, you know, tells your body to eat. It's like that growling in your stomach, you know, when you're hungry. Lack of sleep and due to uh, hormonal changes during menopause can kind of like upset the hormone balance and it can make you feel like hungry. A lot of women say, I just feel hungry all the time. It doesn't matter how much I eat. And that is due to the hunger hormones, menopause, and it can also be made even worse if, you, if you're not sleeping properly. And then, you know, we have to think about portion size. You, you, because of the, your metabolism, because of the menopause, and also the aging process, we can't eat the same amount that we ate when we were in our 20s and 30s. Unfortunately, you, you, you have to think about how much am I eating? Uh, it's, it's mindful eating, you know, eating nourishing foods that that give you all the nutrients that you need in the right amounts and eating a balanced plate. But I mean, weight management is very individual what, what works, but it's we have to remember as women as well is that, you know, if you are on a weight management journey, it's a, it's a lifestyle change. There are no quick fixes, unfortunately. And, you know, we see in, in research that all these fad diets, I mean, there's hundreds of them. Long term, they don't work because they're unrealistic. And it's not, you can't starve yourself and then start eating normally again. You, if you do do that, you normally will put the weight back on that you lost and even more. Mm-hmm. So it's about eating whole foods in balance as a lifestyle change not just quick fatty diets because they don't work long term. And I'm, I'm hearing that there's definitely some hormone levels that we can check through blood tests, but is there some nutritional 
foods that specifically you would add if you have some of these hormones that are off, whether it's the imbalance of your estrogen, testosterone level, are there specific foods or you're just saying like the whole foods are the ones that are just, if you stick with those, that'll also help balance your hormones as well. Yeah, I mean, th that is a totally correct. What, what you just said, you know, eating whole foods works wonders for, for overall health and for hormonal balance. But specific things that we need to think of as, as women for hormonal balance is, you know, things like uh, we need fibre. It's crucial. And, and your cruciferous vegetables, so like cabbage, cauliflower, broccoli, are really necessary for what when we're in perimenopause, we can be estrogen dominant and we need fiber to eliminate and detoxify estrogens from the body. Either your body, if you haven't got a good digestive tract and you're not eliminating regularly, your body will reabsorb these uh, hormones. And, and when they're reabsorbed, they're not like the nice estrogens. They're, they're not, we don't want to reabsorb them. So fiber is crucial for, for menopausal women. And it's, it's in vegetables, cruciferous vegetables in particular, great for fiber and, you know, whole grains. Another interesting area for, for menopause is something called phytoestrogens. And, and phytoestrogens are basically plant estrogens. And, and they've been shown to, to help. They also contain lots of fiber. So, so they're really great for that. But they've been shown to help in the reduction of, of menopausal symptoms. And it's a similar chemical structure to our own body's estrogen, but it isn't. Uh, but they can have estrogen-like effects on the body. So they can really help with menopausal symptoms. And, and they're really healthy. I mean, it's a plant uh, nutrient. Things like flax seeds, for example, mm. are a great form of phytoestrogen. If you're going to eat flax seeds, make sure you crush them or, or soak them. Because if you just eat them as they are, they just go straight through you. So you, you do need to either crush them or, or soak them. Things like soya, soya products contain phytoestrogens. And then fruits, you know, berries, uh, dried fruits. It, it's in virtually all plant products. There's just in soya and flax seeds, there's, there's quite a high percentage of phytoestrogens. And then another key area for, for menopausal health is to look after your gut bacteria. Interestingly, there's a, a gut bacteria called the estrobolum, it's called. Uh, and the estrobolum is, uh, they've, this has been coming out through research, it's a specific group of what we call our gut bacteria that helps in the elimination and, and the balance of estrogen in the body. The microbiome is, is the, our gut bugs, basically, and, and they're so needed for overall health, not just for menopausal health, but for health in general. And these can really help with uh, hormonal balance. And it's eating fermented foods is, has contains these, these good gut bacteria, sauerkraut, kimchi, you know, all, all your fermented vegetables, kombucha, kefir. They contain all these wonderful uh, bacteria. Eating a high fiber diet can, can really help to uh, feed these uh, gut bacteria, so the bacteria which, which they really uh, really like. You know, it's like I, I liken it to looking after a garden. You know, you have to feed your gut bugs and look after them so they thrive i love this because it's it just makes so much sense and it's all so natural and easy you just go to the supermarket or grow a garden and you're and you've got what you need right doesn't have to be complicated 
I hear a lot of lifestyle things that are also important. Sounds like sleep is important for sure. Decreasing stress. What are some lifestyle changes or modifications that you recommend for your clients? Yeah, I mean, as we spoke about, stress is a huge thing. And and that, you know, you really have to prioritize your own well-being you know and it's all very easy for us to say I haven't got time but you you have you just have to make time because you know if you're not healthy and and you're, you're stressed all the time you you will eventually become ill or you'll burn out so you you just need to, even if it's just what I say to clients is just 10 minutes a day give yourself 10 minutes a day put it in your schedule and then do something that you like whether it's just going outside and doing some breathing exercises you know, having a drink, a cup of tea or, or whatever, you know, phoning a friend. But just that time for yourself is so important that the self-care, just take take it small steps. You know, meditation, obviously, yoga, fantastic. But mm-hmm. there's not many people that can all of a sudden just spend an hour on meditation. I think you have to introduce these things very slowly and I mean if you enjoy meditation fantastic because that is very beneficial as a a lifestyle and an anti-stress modification it is fantastic sleep as we said really focus on getting good sleep try to unwind a couple of hours before you go to bed rather than you know watching the television or going on social media you really want your body to start relaxing and producing uh, melatonin which is the sleep hormone and then things like you know something just as simple as drinking more water it might sound very basic but you know do we drink the amount of water that we really need do we hydrate which can make us feel so much better and then obviously exercise is really important movement it doesn't have to be going to the gym for an hour every day it's just moving your body you know going for a walk doing something that you enjoy doing and as we were saying earlier, because of, you know, we lose muscle mass, it's really important that you lift things. We, we have to keep our muscles and bones strong. So just make sure you're lifting something. It's so important for women as we get older to, to do strength training. I really can't emphasize it enough on that because, you know, osteoporosis and, and weak bones, it's, it's kind of like this silent disease because you don't really know you've got porous bone until you fall over and you you maybe get a fracture or something. I have a question for you about the sleep. It seems like as you get older, it's like your body doesn't, I'm going to air quotes, need as much sleep. Is that true? It's like, it's almost like it starts changing or do we still need that same amount, whatever it is, seven, eight hours a night for that whole repairing of our systems or does it change with midlife? No, you still need sleep is the most beneficial thing for our overall health. And you still need sleep. But, you, the, you know, the what research is saying now that you need seven to eight hours of sleep a night. And that is whether no matter what age you are. I mean, obviously, when you're a teenager, all you do is sleep. Don't you? <laughs> but as you get older, you know, seven to eight hours sleep is it's needed full stop. You know, you don't necessarily need less sleep as you get older because your body still needs to repair and, and detoxify and, you know, everything else that happens when you're, when you're sleeping. Personally, for me, as I've gotten older, I'm still trying to get that more like probably six, seven hours, but it, it's almost like, you know, I wake up like at 4am, like here I am. I don't know why I'm awake, you know, <laughs> even 
Yeah. So I, I didn't know if it was something that was still needed that amount or, you know, is my body just, I don't know, waking up for other reasons? Yeah, I mean, that is a very typical sign of um, hormones as well as, as women go. I know you said you're in postmenopause because of the decline in, in your estrogen and progesterone levels that affects sleep. So it's really common. I mean, I'm in perimenopause myself and I wake up probably every morning around two thirty, three o'clock for a bit. You lie there and you try not to start thinking because then your mind just goes into overdrive, doesn't it? And it's difficult to get back to sleep. I do breathing exercises and that it works wonders. But it's very, very common for women to, to wake up at, at those times in, in the early morning and not be able to sleep. It's one of the things that happens during menopause. Because men, if you think about it, in general, obviously there are men that wake up, but it's much more common in women. So let's talk about the positive mindset. I love positive mindset talk. Um, how does that play a role in all this and during these changes? Yeah, it's it's fascinating, really, how as we were saying earlier, menopause is is shrouded with this like negativity, isn't it? It's not we don't talk about it. It's very much brushed under the carpet, and oh no, menopause, we don't want to talk about that. So it it becomes very negative, and a really interesting uh, piece of research has shown that women that come from different cultures in the in the world where menopause is actually you know, as, as you become an older woman and you go through menopause, you're looked up to, you, you know, you're, you're like the head of the village. You're, you're the, this wise leader of the village and it, it, you're looked upon as being fantastic. Uh, it's very positive uh, aura around that stage in a woman's life. And these women for the, from these cultures don't really suffer from menopausal symptoms or very not absolutely not on the same level that we do in the Western world. And I mean, that's fascinating in itself, isn't it? Because of, because of just because of the positivity around this, obviously there's other factors that I'm sure come into play, but they really um, looked into this, that the positivity around it really helped these women uh, and they didn't suffer from hardly any menopausal symptoms. Mm. So trying to have, and I appreciate it's not easy when you're feeling terrible, you know, someone says to you, oh, have a positive attitude. You just, you know, it's difficult, isn't it? But I think you just have to take small steps and, and think about, you know, how you're talking to yourself. You know, it's very easy to become negative, isn't it? But yeah. being mindful of what you say to yourself, being mindful of how you talk about menopause and being nice to yourself. It can be a difficult time, but it, I think knowledge, accepting that and being kind to yourself really helps helps you feel better so I think coming away from that negative mindset and really trying to think about this is a, a new phase in my life it, it's you know the next phase in my life we, we go through different phases through life and this is something that every single woman will go through so it's not a disease or an illness it's, it's approaching it with with a positive attitude and you know laughing with your girlfriends about it I think it's important to also joke about it isn't it and laugh and I think a girl's evening is the most wonderful thing to sit there and you know chat about your hot flashes or you can't sleep or you've gained weight you know having a real girly evening is so beneficial and and, and laughing a bit and you know talking about it is really helps with that positive mindset yeah I totally agree because like I'm just like flashing through things that I went through and I tend to have a positive outlook in most areas of my life 
And it's funny because when I started having the hot flashes, I'm really just sweating. Like I just thought, like I kind of laughed at it. I thought it was kind of funny to the point where I'd gone into the doctor and they asked me, you know, like what symptoms are you having? I'm like, I'm having hot flashes, but nothing's bothering me. It doesn't bother me. I'm just hot. Like I'm sweating. It doesn't look good. You know, might have to change a shirt here or there, but it wasn't a bother or, you know, any of the other symptoms, heavy, heavy periods. But once again, like the, it was more of a curiosity that I was going towards than this like awfulness, you know, and, and it's true. Like when I look back, I'm like, I feel like I miss menopause because I didn't feel stuck in it at all. Yeah. And you, you have, I mean, I can tell that, that you have a very positive attitude and that, you know, that's obviously really helped you get through this phase in, in your life and, you know, not get really focused on it. I think some people focus totally on it and it, it just becomes overwhelming and it, you know, it, it makes your symptoms worse. You just really have to kind of breathe and, and try and just come through it with a positive attitude. And I mean, breathing, just breathing exercises changes your mindset. So it's a fantastic tool to have just to be able to breathe deeply, really makes make changes our, our nervous system and helps us relax. So that just brings me like, what would you tell a person going through this right now? What is the biggest thing that they should be implementing into their days at this point? Can I say two things? Two things that will give me the the biggest results. And and I know that they're quite big things that we've already spoke about is to really like do a stress audit, manage your stress, uh, because your body through menopause, you you just can't go into that stress cycle. You will feel terrible. And to manage your blood sugar. So to really remove uh, the ultra processed foods from your diet and start eating whole foods. If you do those two things, you know, it's so beneficial for your for your overall health and for your menopausal health. And and yes, I'm also a big meditator. So I'm a big fan of taking that quiet time doing breathing exercises. And so I, I do think that I've seen physical changes in myself and mentally and physically just through breathing and meditation. So tell us where people can find you. Where can the listeners find you? Yeah, I think that the easiest place to find me really is on my website, which is alisonblad.com. That's B-L-A-D-H. On my website, I have a resources page with with lots of free downloads, um, like eBooks with uh, meal plans and recipe ideas for for everything, you know, skin health, hair health, weight management, you know, there's many things on there. So if any listeners would like to download that, please feel free. And then I'm on all social media platforms that you can find on my social media link. On, on my website under the contact uh, details there and if anyone has any questions please feel free to drop me an email is there anything else that you want the listeners to know I think but one key thing that I always like to say don't worry about aging you know aging is a privilege that's denied to many you know if, if you're privileged enough to age and go through menopause then rejoice and, and enjoy the next 30 plus years of your life don't don't live in regret and and worry about aging Uh, yes because every phase has its own beauty to it so I love that thank you so much for joining us and your information is so incredible and I just love how holistic it is and that just by eating certain foods changing our lifestyle in that positive mindset, like it can really change this phase of our life. So thank you. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. Midlife can truly be a beautiful phase of life. And remember, a positive mindset, eating healthy whole foods, decreasing stress, getting enough sleep, and carving out some time for yourself are all so important during this phase. Real Life Moms is on a mission to touch 10,000 moms and inspire them to live their life that they desire. So help us by subscribing to this podcast and sharing this episode with two of your friends.